we can be tempted, I'll tell you this morning, that we can be tempted uh, to be in despair about the condition of our land, and I'm certainly not at all lessening uh, the issues that we have in our land. There's much uh, that, that is a problem in this land, but even uh, the Supreme Court victories that we've seen won in, in, in recent weeks is a reminder to me that God is not finished with this land. He, we, this land, by and large, may have turned their back on God, but God has not turned us back on us. And the, the, the title of the, of the uh, message today is A Nation in Judgment. A Nation in Judgment. And can I just tell you, I'll just go ahead and give away something before we get started, that I believe that the judgment from God is a token of the mercy of God. Because He loves us, folks, and because He loves us, He loves us too much to leave us the way that we are. And so when the judgment of God begins to fall upon our land, I say amen. And uh, I pray that God will have his perfect work in us. But we've come to that time of year when we are going to celebrate uh, the 4th of July, the independence of the, this nation that God has given unto us. And uh, again, I'd like, we, you know, we just said the Pledge of Allegiance here uh, just a moment ago, and we have declared by reason of that declaration uh, that we are one nation under God. That's the way that this nation uh, was, was born. This nation was birthed as a nation under God. And I want to tell you that maybe now more than ever, the pundits out there today would try to discourage you from that truth. They would try to hide that fact. Uh, Satan would like to keep that a dirty little lie. But don't you believe it because we have... Uh, if we had the time, I could spend the rest of this week giving you proof that this was a nation that was began by godly men with godly principles. They came here not to have freedom from religion. They came here for freedom of religion, that they might worship God and God alone. Amen. And that's the way that this nation was began. And the Bible tells us that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I want to share a few quotes with you today, just because there are people out there, uh, they're on Facebook, they're in the news, they're everywhere, that would try to tell you that this nation does not have a biblical backing, and I'm telling you today not to believe that. Here, here's a few quotes. We have uh, some from presidents of the United States. George Washington, our first president, said, while we were zealously performing the duties of good citizens and soldiers, we certainly ought not to be uh, inattentive to the higher duties of religion, to the distinguished character of patriot, it should be our highest glory to add the more distinguished character of Christian. Yes. That's what our first president said, that it's good to be a patriot, but it's even better to be a Christian. Amen? Uh, John Adams, our second president, who was also one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, said, suppose a nation in some distant region should take the Bible for their only law book. And every member should regulate his conduct by the precepts there exhibited. Every member should be obliged in conscience uh, to temperance, frugality, and industry, to justice, kindness, and charity towards his fellow men, and to piety, love, and reverence towards Almighty God. What a utopia, what a paradise would this region be. And friend, can I tell you one day we're going to live under a government like that when King Jesus sits on his throne. Amen. 
Thomas Jefferson, who's often referred to uh, as, uh, as, as agnostic, uh, he said this. He said, God who gave us life gave us liberty. And can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis? Boy, we, how prophetic that was. Can a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis? You know what our only firm basis is? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. A conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are the gift of God, that they are not to be violated but with his wrath. Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep forever. Thomas Jefferson said that. We have also a couple signers of the Declaration of Independence um, that I just mentioned. And uh, here's a founder of one of the colonies, William Penn, who founded Pennsylvania. I do declare to the whole world that we believe the scriptures to contain a declaration of the mind and will of God in and to those ages in which they were written, being given forth by the Holy Ghost, moving in the hearts of holy men of God, that they also ought to be read, believed, and fulfilled in our day being used for reproof and instruction that the man of God may be perfect. They are a declaration and testimony of heavenly things themselves, and as such, we carry a high respect for them. We accept them as the words of God himself. That's what William Penn said. One of the ratifiers of the Constitution, Patrick Henry, said, It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. By Christians, not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. These are the men that were part of the founding of our country that are saying with their own mouths, this is what we did and this is why we did it because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In light of recent events, I'll share with you another one from the first Supreme Court Justice, John Jay, who also, by the way, was president of the American Bible Society. This is what he said, by conveying the Bible to people thus circumstanced, we certainly do them a most interesting kindness. We thereby enable them to learn that man was originally created and placed in a state of happiness, but becoming disobedient was subjected uh, to the degradation and evils which he and his, his posterity have since experienced. The Bible will also inform them that our gracious creator has provided for us a redeemer in whom all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That this redeemer has made atonement for the sins of the whole world and thereby reconciling the divine justice with the divine mercy has opened a way for our redemption and salvation and that these inestimable benefits are of the free gift and grace of God not of our deserving, nor in our power to deserve. Informing and settling my belief relative to the doctrines of Christianity, pardon me, I adopted no articles from creeds, but such only as on careful examination I found to be confirmed by the Bible. By the Bible. The first Supreme Court justice of this land said, the Bible is our guide. The Bible is our guide. The Lord God is our foundation. The gospel 
uh, is our life's work and our responsibility. And oh, that men would believe the Bible today. Amen. That's the problem that we have, folks. All, all through the, you know, the Bible says that was the problem Israel had too, that all through the years as, as the Lord led them to the promised land and took them on a journey that should have taken 11 days, they should have been in his promise immediately, but they spent 40 years wandering and circling the mountains down there in the desert, in the dry place, and none of them but two entered into that promise. Why? Because of unbelief. Because of unbelief. If you take one thing from this place today, take this. Believe the word of God no matter what. Let God be true and every man a liar. Amen? Quit believing what you see on Facebook. Quit believing what you read in the papers. Quit believing what you hear on the news. Let me tell you this. Quit believing what you hear people say about the Bible because a lot of times what people say about the Bible is not true. You get your face in the book and believe what the book says. Amen? Let's stand together and open the book, Jeremiah chapter 2. Israel, by the way, I want to remind you, is given by God's election. They're God's elect people that he chose as a peculiar people uh, for himself. But I believe that not only are they given by his election, but they're also given for our instruction. Uh, there's much that we can learn from the nation of Israel. Jeremiah chapter number 2. If you found your place, say amen. amen. Moreover, verse 1, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness in a land that was not sown. Israel was holiness unto the Lord and the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him shall offend. Evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, what iniquity have your fathers found in me? that they are gone far from me and have walked after vanity and are become vain. Neither said they, Where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, that led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and of the shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through and where no man dwelt? And I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made mine heritage an abomination. The priests said not, where is the Lord? And they that handle the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. Wherefore, I will yet plead with you, saith the Lord, and with your children's children will I plead. Uh, for... Pass over the isles of, of Shidom and see and send unto Kedar and consider diligently and see if there be such a thing. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. Be astonished, O you heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, saith the Lord. 
For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and have hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Is Israel a servant? Is he, home, is he a home-born slave? Why is he spoiled? The young lions roared upon him and yelled, and they made uh, his land waste, and his cities are burned without inhabitant. Also the children of Noth and Tehaphanes have broken the crown of thy head. Hast thou not procured this unto thyself, in that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God when he led thee by the way? And now uh, what hast thou to do in the way of Egypt, to drink the waters of Sihor? Or what hast thou to do in the way of Assyria, to drink the waters of the river? Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know, therefore, and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. Father God, we bow uh, our heads here this morning. Lord, we bow our hearts before you today. And Lord, we are... Father, we recognize the condition of our land today. As we look, Lord, as we sang from sea to shining sea. This wonderful land that you blessed us with, that you gave unto our fathers, Lord, that you blessed us with the increase thereof. And, and Lord, I, I, don't, I don't preach a replacement gospel. I don't in any way claim that we are Israel. Uh, we are the children of... We're not the children of promise, Lord, but we are adopted, engrafted into that family by faith. And I believe with all my heart that our founding fathers were of that sort, men that believed in you and trusted in you and came to this land to, to worship you and to live in peace. But Lord, our land has become something other than that. And so we cry out for our land today. We cry out for mercy we cry out for grace, Lord. We, we cry out even for judgment, Lord, that it might bring us back to you. And Father, I, I thank you that your mercy is still upon us, Lord. That It is by your mercies that we're not consumed, but they are new to us every morning. Thank you for the mercy that is available here today. Lord, if there be any in the house today that needs to cry out for your mercy, to fall before your throne of grace, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would draw them. Would you do that, Lord, in Jesus' name? And amen. 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 You can be seated, folks. We know that the prophet Jeremiah uh, was oftentimes referred to as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah was referred to as the weeping prophet because Jeremiah was a prophet in the land when they were taken uh, into captivity. This is, is leading, up to, uh, leading up here to the captivity that would come about 
uh, there in Babylon. But I want you to know that before captivity came, God gave them opportunity after opportunity after opportunity uh, to repent and to turn back to him. He was merciful and kind and long-suffering. He sent prophet after prophet, person after person, preacher after preacher to tell them to turn unto him. And I believe that God is doing that to America today. Uh, but I want to look at a, at a nation here today. And uh, we see, first of all, in this second chapter of the book in Jeremiah, a nation that began close to God. It was a nation uh, close to God. He says there in the second verse that I uh, remember, the Lord said. I remember what it was like when we first came together. I remember what it was like, uh, the kindness that you had, the love that you had towards me, the way that you followed me. Literally, uh, the word here says that the, you went after me in the wilderness. It's, it means to chase after, just just like maybe a, uh, a young man chases after his bride, uh, that, that they were chasing after the Lord. And his people were marked not only by this closeness, but they were marked by holiness. They were marked by holiness. God had given his instruction and told them how they could be a holy people. And they began that way. They began following the Lord and listening to him and following uh, his statutes. And, and that, that closeness to them, uh, I want you to know that it brought holiness because God's closeness, uh, first of all, it brought his provision. He provided for them everything uh, that they needed. He gave them the first fruits and, 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 and he uh, gave them wells that they didn't dig and houses that they didn't build and vineyards that they didn't plant, much like he did for us here in this land uh, that we live in today. God provides for his people. And let me tell you today, if you're in a place in your life where you feel like you need provision, where, where something's not right in, in your life or, 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 or maybe there's some need that you have, the best place for you to go is to run into his arms because God provides for his children. Amen? Amen? And I'll tell you, when we get away from him, then I believe he allows some difficult circumstances in our life. Why? Because it causes us to run back to him. And I'm grateful that he does that. There was a closeness uh, to God, but that closeness brought uh, provision, but it also brought protection. Did you see there in the uh, second verse there? or rather the, thir the third verse, uh, that all that devour him shall offend and evil shall come upon them. God not only provides for his people, but he protects them too. Amen? God protects us uh, no matter where we go, and, and that doesn't mean that you won't have difficult circumstances in your life, dear friend, but God watches over his own. Uh, we won't have to, to worry when we are in his bosom. It, it, not only is it a place that we're provided for, but it's a place that we're protected. And here's the thing that I love. I enjoy closeness with God because of his provision and because of his protection. But I enjoy closeness with God because of his presence. Amen? There is nothing like coming into the presence of the Lord and knowing that he is with you, uh, that, that you can go to him at any point in time. I tell you, that was one of the things I enjoyed about this trip that we were on. Was I just had more time to just stop and just be in awe in his presence, to, uh, to linger in the garden, as they say. And we got to linger in the, in the forest, and we got to linger on the river, and we got to, to linger in, in the mountains and, and, and by the lakes. And what a wonderful thing it is to just stay in the garden. And I have to agree with, or I have to disagree just a little bit with the one line because that, that song in the garden says, I come to the garden alone. But if you're in the garden with God, you're not alone. 
Uh, what, a, what a wonderful thing it is to be in his presence. Do you ever take time, dear friends, to get in the presence of God? Can I encourage you today, if you don't have a habit of regularly coming into his presence, you need to. You're the one that's missing out. There is a closeness and a fellowship that is available to us there. If we would just lean on his, bo- on his bosom, we would find him precious. Uh, so this was a nation that began close to God, uh, dear friends. And I believe that is a direct parallel to what happened in our land. When our nation was began, this was a nation that began close to God. Uh, but eventually, this nation became a nation that began to be cold to God. After they had been close to him and after they had been in his presence, they began to go grow cold. And the Bible says in verse number 5, Thus saith the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found in me? They are gone far from me and have walked after vanity and become vain. You know one of the dangers of not being close to God, of not spending time being close to him, is if you're not close enough, you're going to end up becoming cold. You'll end up becoming cold to the things of God. Your heart will begin to harden, and uh, your heart will not be tender the way it once was. You will not hear from the Lord the way you used to. You won't be guided by Him the way you used to because you're not there in His presence where He can instruct you. And the people became cold. And I want you to know that this was not a new thing. It's a generational thing. The Bible says here in verse 5 that what iniquity have your fathers found in me? It didn't just start with us. It started with our fathers before us. And that's the same problem we have in our land. This generation is at fault, but so are some of the generations that went before us because they allowed the closeness uh, from God to, uh, to, to separate and to become cold. And this nation has been on a cold streak for quite a long time the people have become cold and because they are cold the bible tells us a few things here the first thing is that they've gone far they've gone far away from the lord they've got away from him they've got away from his instruction they've got away from his presence they've got away from his law from his holy word they've got away from his love and his mercy and his grace they've got away from his instruction and i'm not saying that god doesn't love us when we get far from him uh but god never moves when when space and 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 gap comes between us it's because we have moved away from his mercy and his love and his grace so they've gone far but not only have they gone far but they've also gone foolishly he says there in verse 5 that uh, they've gone far away from me and have walked after vanity you know what that word vanity means it just means emptiness or foolishness let me tell you what uh, the wisest man in the earth ever said about vanity solomon said in ecclesiastes chapter number two and verse 11 that then i looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that i had labored to do and behold all was vanity and vexation of spirit and there was no profit under the sun not only was Solomon uh, the wisest man on the earth, but he was also the richest man on the earth. In other words, there was nothing, there was no pleasure, uh, there was no material thing that Solomon didn't have access to. And of all the labors, of all the things that he had, of all the things that he did, Solomon looked back later in his life and said, It's worthless, it's vanity. The things that we spend time doing, oftentimes, they're vanity. And because we pour so much time in the vanity, then we're becoming cold to God. 
We've replaced having our face in the book with Facebook. We spend not minutes, we spend hours a day looking at things that don't matter. As a matter of fact, not only are they things that don't matter, but they're things that actually pull us down. They make us worse for having seen them. We spend hours watching television. We spend hours surfing the internet. We spend hours doing things that are absolute vanity. And someday we're going to stand before a holy God and give an account for our lives. And the Lord's going to say, why didn't you go out and witness? Why didn't you read your Bible? Why didn't you pray more? Why didn't you win people for Christ? And we're going to say, Lord, I didn't have time. I didn't have time. He's going to say, you didn't have time, huh? And he's going to start pulling up all the time that we spent on Facebook and all that time we spent on the Internet and all that time that we spent chasing vanity. E- even our lives oftentimes, we work and work and work and work and work and work and work for what? It's vanity. And it's caused the people to be cold. They'd gone far. They'd gone foolishly. But also, they had gone forgetfully. In verse 6, the Bible says, Neither said they, Where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, that led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and of the shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through and where no man dwelt? What Jeremiah was saying here was the people forgot the Lord. They forgot what he had done for them. They forgot where he had brought them from. They forgot the troubles and the trials that he brought them through. They forgot the provision that he'd made for them and the times that he'd protected them. They forgot the closeness that they used to have for him. And so they've gone uh, far and they've gone foolishly and they've gone forgetfully. And because of all those things, they've become cold. Can I ask you this morning if the Holy Spirit, and I pray that he is, taking your spiritual temperature temperature today. Are you on fire for the Lord? Or are you cold? Many of us are lukewarm, and Jesus said, I'd rather you were hot or cold because you're lukewarm. I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Lukewarm Christians are just as big a problem as anything else. It causes Jesus to want to vomit. That we have the Holy Spirit living within us, and yet there's not the fire of the Lord burning within our hearts. Does your heart not burn within you? You remember those uh, Emmaus disciples that walked on the road with the Lord Jesus and as he expounded the scripture to them, they said, oh, didn't our hearts burn within us? Does your heart burn when you hear the word of God preached? Does your heart burn when you come into his presence that you want more and more and more? But the people, they had become cold before the Lord, but the people... We're not the only ones that become cold because the Bible says uh, that also the priest and the pastors had become cold. Uh, It says there in verse number 8, The priest said not, Where is the Lord? They that handled the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. The 
The priest had, uh, and the pastors had forgot him. They had forgot his law. They had forgotten holiness. They had forgotten idolatry. They had forgotten what the definition of sin was. They were no different than the people that they had turned their back on the Lord. And we have that problem in a lot of our pulpits today, that not only are the people cold and the pastors cold, but the pulpits and a lot of our churches are cold today. And I want to tell you that one of my prayers is that God would build a raging fire in this pulpit that would burn much longer longer than any of us uh, exist in this place. Amen? That, the, that he would start a fire that would burn, uh, that it would cause not only a fire to burn in a pulpit, but that the word of God would burn in your hearts. That's my desire. Every time I step behind this pulpit, that the word of God would penetrate into the deep places of your heart and burn a fire within you. Amen? A lot of these places today, you couldn't you couldn't warm a muffin in a microwave behind the, the pulpits of a lot of these churches today. And I'm not saying that because I'm being boastful. I'm saying that because they have forgotten the law of the word. They have forgotten what it means to follow God. They have forgotten what it means to preach the gospel and not just the parts that you like to hear, but all of it. Amen. I'll tell you what, I love to hear those warm and fuzzy messages that just make you feel so good and happy. I love to preach them. I've, uh, I heard one pastor call them candy sticks. You love to go out and give out candy sticks sometimes. People are just so happy. It's a lot harder to stand up here and pastor will tell you to preach a message that nobody wants to hear. But you know what? I'm grateful for those messages because I need to hear those messages that we don't want to hear either. I need the Lord to correct me and to guide me. When I get, we were, we were on this trip. Uh, we rented a car when we got out there in, in Oregon. And uh, we haven't had an, uh, uh, a newer car in, in quite, quite some time. Technology has changed just a little bit since we, since we had one. You don't have to use the crank to start them anymore. They got a little, actually, you don't even use a key to start them. You just push a button now. And we're in this car, and it took me a while to figure out how to get the cruise control on. Finally, we'd, I like to use cruise when you're driving long dis distances. It helps keep me from speeding, for one thing. Uh, but anyway, this car had something called steering assist. And I'm driving down the road, and I'd get a little bit too close to the edge, and it would pull back. And I'd, you know, sometimes you just wander a little bit in the road, and I'd get a little too close to this edge, and it would pull back. And a matter of fact, if you don't use the turn signal when you change lanes, it starts to cut the power because it thinks you've went off the road. And so uh, I just learned a lot about that. And it was actually pretty helpful. I, en I enjoyed driving that way. I could just sit there and kind of loosely hold the steering wheel and let the car drive. My wife was afraid I was going to go to sleep, and I only did for just a little while, but... Uh, aren't you glad that we have the Holy Spirit? Listen, a lot of the places that we were driving were dangerous places. We're driving up mountain roads, no guardrails, thousand foot drops. A lot of the places that we're at are dangerous. And if you fall off the road in one of those places, it's going to cause a lot of harm, a lot of damage. And I'm so glad that as Christians, when we get close to the edge, the Holy Spirit pulls us back. I'm so, so glad that, that sometimes we don't want to, but sometimes we get to a place where, where we might cross the line. And the Holy Spirit says, no, I'm not going to let you do that because you're mine. And he pulls you back. Now, I'm not saying you can't sin. Certainly, we all know that we can. And, and when we do, when we do get off the edge, sometimes we get up against a tree or a bank and, and we wear some of the scars from our choices and our decisions, don't we? 
But I'm glad that the Lord has given us his, not only his Holy Spirit to live inside of us and to help us, but he's given us his word to guide us. And that's my heart's desire, is to learn his word and to believe it and receive it and live it myself. But also to give it to you. I know there's things in the Bible that we come across that causes us to have sore toes. And, and uh, I would say even sometimes that uh, I've heard some messages that have caused me to, to bleed out of the corners of my mouth. You know, i just just been hit square in the mouth by the word of God. And I say, amen. I want you to know that if you hear a message like that, I'm not doing anything to try to harm you. Matter of fact, 90% of the time, I don't even know what's going on in your life or in your heart but the Holy Spirit of God does. If you have a problem with something that I've preached here in this place, if I said something that wasn't biblical, you come see me. If I preach the word of God, you take it up with him. Amen? Amen. I'm glad that he cares enough to guide us and protect us, but the word has to be preached in our churches. It has to be believed and received and obeyed by our Christians. Amen? So the people had become cold and the pastors had become cold, and because of that, the pulpits had become cold. Not only had a nation become cold against God, uh, but Jeremiah goes on to say that a nation had changed their gods. There in verse number 11, hath a nation changed their gods? Notice there's a little G there, uh, which are yet no gods, but my people have changed their glory for that with doth not profit. He's saying this used to be a nation whose God was the Lord, but now they've changed it to something other than that. There's something else that they're worshiping. They're not worshiping the Lord God. They're worshiping themselves. Uh, they're worshiping uh, uh, idolatry and all forms of there's tons of forms of idolatry anything that you put in a place that God should have in your heart and that's first place uh, becomes an idol in your life and today we are worshiping uh, people we worship each other we worship sex drugs alcohol food uh, sports there's all sorts of things all sorts of reasons uh, that people have put before God and, and he says uh, not only are they false gods first of all they're no real God uh, they don't have ears that can hear and eyes that can see and hands that can help and feet that can come to you in your time of need. They are false gods. It's the epitome of worshiping a piece of stone and calling that uh, your God. They are false, uh, but they are also uh, feeble because he says uh, that they are not able to help you. They've changed their glory for that which doth not Profit for something that is not going to help them. And in the process of that, they have committed two evils. First of all, they forsook the fountain. They forsook the fountain. A fountain of living water. Jesus said, I, I am a fountain of living water, and if you drink this water, a well will spring up inside of you. Did you know that? A well will spring up in you in, in, in such a way that you'll never uh, be thirsty for a drink again. Gage and I were working here uh, last week, or the week before last, rather, when it was so hot, it was in the 90s, and we're working outside, and we took a jug of water, and i tell you what, the water was flowing out of us faster than it was flowing in. And we were just drinking, and we're trying every, every hour or so to drink some water, but there was a problem. Uh, in the afternoon time, I went to get a drink, and there was no drink to be got. The jug was empty. 
Now, thank God we were working at someone's house, and so we were able to go ask them if they could give us some water, and uh, we were able to get water that way. But I'll tell you what, we don't ever have to be in a place where the well is empty, amen, because we have a well that flows, and it's free, and it's flowing all the time, and all we have to do is come to the well and drink. But The Lord says that my people have forsaken the well of living water. And what did they do in its place? Well, he says they've forsaken, verse 13, they've committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they've hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. In other words, they forsook the living water and they dug for themselves a dirty well, a putrid pit, that doesn't hold, what, what water in it is not good and it doesn't hold uh, any water for that matter. And I'll tell you what, that there are two things in life that I have found that will not satisfy. And one of those I just told you is a drought of water. And the other thing is dirty water. When I come to, one of the things I loved about the trip we were on, we stayed on a, a place in California called the Smith River. And the, the place that we stayed at was probably... 50 feet above the river maybe and you could look down into that water and it didn't matter if it was an inch deep or if it was 10 feet deep you could see the bottom it was crystal clear flowing water cold oh it was good water it was wonderful it was flowing and he, the, the the fellow that, uh, that that owned the place we stayed at he said all oh, the yeah, the water you can see 30 feet in this water I said, buddy, where I'm from, you can't see three inches in the water. There's so much dirt and water in Ohio, you know. And thank God for the breadbasket of America. God's given us a land that, uh, where we can grow things. But here where we're at, when I approach a creek here in Ohio, I don't take a drink <laughs> because it's not good water, is it? But the Lord says, my people, they have a fountain of living water, but they've forsaken it, and they've went and dug themselves a dirty cistern that won't hold any water. A lot of people today are, are drinking from a dirty well. We have a well problem in this land. And I'm going to go out and say a lot of our Christians are drinking from dirty wells too. And I know I say it from this pulpit a lot, but it needs to be said a lot. We ought to be different. You shouldn't be listening to the music that the world listens to. You shouldn't be watching the television shows that the world watches. You shouldn't be reading things and looking at things on on Facebook. If you got somebody that's posting stuff that's inappropriate on Facebook, you get them off your page or just get off Facebook. It's not good for you. When you look at those things, you think you're strong enough and you think somehow it's not the Christian that get that pulls the other people up. Usually it's the other people pulling the Christians down. And we're unhealthy. You know, one of the problems in all the world, you go into a lot of these third world countries, what's the number one problem they're trying to help them overcome? Clean water. We have the story of that well in Kenya about those women uh, that, that our church was involved in. And, and those women were walking miles and miles every day trying to carry jugs of water. And even at that, it wasn't good water. It was the same water the animals drank out of. But it's the only thing that they had. We, don't, we have something better than that. Amen? We have crystal clear, pure water that will make you well, not sick. But you've got to drink from this. And in order to drink from this, you've got to quit drinking from other places. Amen? We've forsaken our well and have dug for ourselves these cisterns. So a nation 
that was close to God and a nation that became cold to God and a nation that changed their gods. And next, folks, I want you to see a nation that was charged by God. Look with me in verse 17. The Bible says, Hast thou not procured this unto thyself? In other words, didn't you cause this yourself? In that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God when he led thee. By the way, you, God didn't... Let, let's just get this... Make this very plain and clear right now. Mark it down bold. God did not cause the problems that we have today. We procured this to ourselves because we turned away from the fountain of living water that we had. And now, what hast thou to do in the way? You skip down to verse 19. It says, Thine own wickedness shall correct thee. Thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. You know what America needs today is a healthy dose of the fear of the Lord. You know, when 9-11 happened, people started to fear a little bit, didn't they? When, when the pandemic first came, there was a little bit of fear there. Not a lot, but there was a little bit. We saw churches, uh, people attending online and, and coming to church that we had never seen in our churches before. Why? Because there was just a little bit of the fear of the Lord. Well, I'm going to tell you something. When I was a young man, I didn't fear my dad just a little bit. And as a matter of fact, uh, certainly I got my share of them, and I earned probably more than I got. But one of the things that kept me from going farther than I did was because of the fear, the respect that I had for my father. I knew that if I went too far, he was going to give me something I didn't want to have. And I, that's what America needs today. America needs a fear of the Lord, recognizing his great power and his sovereignty and what he is able to do to this land. If we, I, I, I have prayed for years that this nation would turn unto God, but if we don't turn on our own, I pray that he will turn us, and when he turns us, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. They have been charged. The Lord speaks of their own wickedness. There in verse 19 and verse 17, he, he gives us this warning that, that they had done this to themselves. You procured this unto thyself uh, in that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God when he led thee by the way. And now what hast thou to do in the way? What do we do? Brother Lance got the uh, opportunity to introduce the message today. He started in Sunday school uh, talking about liberty. And one of the quotes that he mentioned, I'm going to mention also from John Adams, saying that our Constitution was made only for religious and moral people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. God has given us everything that we need to govern this land. But we have to use it. We have to believe in the Bible. We have to believe in the God of the Bible. We have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to believe that we are completely and utterly lost without Him. We have to believe that we are sinners in need of a Savior. 
We have to believe that not only did Jesus Christ exist, that he came, we have to believe that he died on a cross for us. Not because of anything that he did, but out of his love and grace and mercy, that through him we might have life. We have to believe that the word of God is everything that we need to govern this society. And then not only do we have to believe what it says, but we have to obey what it says. And Christians, we have to believe that we're just as much as fault as everybody else. Because many of us have been drinking from these same dirty wells that the rest of the world is. And here we have a well of living water available to you and me. One nation under God has become, I fear, one nation without God. And friends, if you want to know what a nation without God looks like, then that's when you go to the news and the other things. If you want to know what it looked like, what it looks like, this is exactly what it is. And I do believe that we are a nation in judgment. I believe the judgment of God has begun to fall upon this land. And our great need is to cry out for mercy. I want to share a passage with you from the book of Psalms in chapter number 33. Book of Psalms, chapter number 33, beginning at verse 12. The Bible said, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his inheritance. The Lord looketh from heaven, he beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike, he considereth all their works. There's no king saved by the multitude of a host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. A horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him. Upon them that hope in his mercy. To deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. There's no hope outside of him. It will not be by strength. Uh, it's not going to be the government. He is our only hope, uh, and, and, and he is our only help. Amen? And this wasn't part of my notes, but I, was, I read this psalm this week. If I can get to it here. Psalm chapter number 101. Obviously comes right after Psalm 100, which is the psalm of, of thankness, uh, thankfulness and, and gladness. Uh, enter into his... Well, let me just read both of them. Listen to this. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth to all generations.
You know what the next psalm says? I will sing of mercy and judgment. Unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. And I love this. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Thankful to God for what he has done. Thankful to God for what he will do. And because I'm thankful and because I praise him, I will behave myself wisely. I will not set wicked things before my eyes. I will keep myself unto the one that I'm thankful for. Amen? Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. Obedience is better than sacrifice. You know what he wants? He wants you to listen. And he wants us to obey. In the midst of all that judgment, I skipped over it in the preaching but I want you to know that this was a nation that God was still calling out to and still crying out to. Look at verse 9 in Jeremiah. He said, Wherefore I will yet plead with you, saith the Lord, and with your children's children will I plead. Even in the midst of judgment, he's still pleading. He's still crying out he's still calling out for us to draw near to him just because a nation has become a nation um, that has changed their gods doesn't mean we can't change back amen if you're on the wrong path all you have to do is stop and turn around i want to encourage you today i don't know where this message finds you today you know the gist of what jeremiah said in verse five he said thus saith the lord what iniquity have your fathers found in me you know he was saying What's wrong with God? What is wrong with God? What's so wrong with following Him? What's so wrong with being close to Him? What's so wrong with putting these things away from us, that uh, these weights that so easily beset us? What's so wrong with following His will for our lives, with being obedient to His Word, with being close to our Creator, the one who loved us and gave Himself for us? He's crying out today in mercy and says, all you have to do, if if you've gone far away from me, if you've gotten cold, all you have to do is come back. I'm right here. I've never left. Draw near unto God and he will draw near unto you. Amen? Wherever that finds you today, let me encourage you to draw near to God. Draw near to him in prayer and repentance Draw near to him in belief. Make a decision. I, one of the things I tell people all the time is the best thing that you could ever do besides giving your heart to Jesus is making a decision in your heart that every word of this book is true, period. And don't you put an exclamation or a question mark where God put a period, amen? This word is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. You want to know what to believe? You believe this book. I didn't say that we'll always understand it. I don't always understand this book. I have to pray and labor and labor over these messages, and still I'm sure there are things that I'm missing. But we have to dig into the book and ask God to supply what we need. Amen? And when we're close to him, he'll provide and he'll protect, and the most blessed thing is we'll be in his presence. Amen?